We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Rooms podcast. This episode 29 of the pod. Plenty to hit today, but Matt, the first thing you gotta hit is the music. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're gonna hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Joe, you're absolutely right. Um, and if you would have, we would have done this Sunday morning or Saturday night, a lot or, more or Monday night. I think you'd catch a lot more anger and, and yeah. yelling and up in arms, and probably for both of us because you're mm-hmm. every bit as angry as uh, as as I or as I was. Uh, now it's just kind of turned into a little bit of sadness, depression, whatever you want to call it. Football uh, disgust, uh, yeah. exhausting. My football exhausting. feelings, my football feelings have been hurt. It was not. The best, uh, the best weekend just, for my rooting interests, especially those Chicago Bears. I feel like in both cases here, we've just we've been fooled again. We've been kind of been led to believe one thing, only to against our better judgment. I think all all year we've kind of hesitantly rooted for the Bears, hesitantly gotten on the Notre Dame bandwagon against our better judgment, knowing that there was a good chance that this you know the rug would be pulled out from under us, or you know. Lucy would pull the ball off the tee away from Charlie Brown, and then we'd end up falling on our back. And that's—I think—that's exactly what happened in our football weekend this weekend. Yes, but I, I hesitate to lump those two feelings. I have two separate feelings. They, they are. I guess. They're, I mean, they're different types of loss. I mean, the Bears lost, but at the same time, we we know yeah. what they are. They were never yeah, that's, Super you know, Bowl I, contenders here, but at the I same say, time, it was a game they should have. You know, they should have won. I say the word. I, I think on every podcast, but expectation is what what kind of separates my two feelings here i'm angry about the bears in the way that they played the way that they performed the opportunity that they had against a rival we haven't gotten to see many wins over the packers in our lifetime this was a golden opportunity for one of the those wins so that's where the disappointment comes from there with notre dame the disappointment comes from because you controlled your own destiny you could have gone to the college football playoff it was all laid out in front of you, and you go to South Florida, and you lay a freaking egg like you do every time you go down to South Florida. Or you Not even just South Florida. It's, it's big, it's big ranked games on the big road. Big games, big moments. and I'll I, give I know, them credit in this era, the Brian Kelly era. At home, they've always come to play. They've always been ready to play. And in South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium mm-hmm. when it's rocking, they are a good team, and they they – they rise to the occasion. Whether well, they don't always win those games, but they're always in them. Like Georgia, they were in that one till the end. But they appeared. They so appeared many mentally times. broken. Mentally broken. After is what can happen one when mistake, on the road. after one yeah. or two mistakes, the crowd gets loud and they just fold. And it's not just this group. It, it is. It's. It's been the past five, six, seven years. Whatever the hell it's been. There, there's. There's yeah. examples from every class. And the one year that there wasn't was the year that was a very senior-heavy led for defense. Air, Come up for air, No, let me finish. <laughs> a very senior-heavy led defense playing on the road at a very average 6-6 six and six USC team or whatever the hell it was when they needed to win that road game to get to the national championship. And even then, they beat a bad USC team by like a touchdown. 
So you're putting you're putting this squarely on Brian Kelly's back. Is what I, I I don't want. I I'm just going off what I've seen. From Answer the question. History. I I'm, I'm I'm going off what I've seen from recent history here, and, and you teams tend to take the the appearance, the the mindset, the whatever of their head coach. And the I, I fact that these teams, I, I don't want to, I, I'm not at the practices, I'm not at the games, I'm not on the sidelines, so I don't know what he's saying, I don't know what he's doing, but I think the fact that they keep folding on the road in big games, in big moments, I can list, I, if you want me to go off on a list, I got five or six off the top of my head right now, and there's probably a couple more too, but the fact that they keep folding in these big games, in these big moments on the road, away from home and hostile environments, I think that is an indictment on the head coach. I don't think that's unfair to say about anybody. I, I, I see what you're saying, and I do put a certain amount of onus on Brian Kelly. In it's not all. I mean, Brian Kelly this, isn't I'm the one talk grounding. Now, Matt, he, Matt, I'm going to talk okay. now. Okay, Matt, sorry. I'm going to talk Joke, now. Joke, you don't have to I'm going to talk now. I'm, I'm going to talk now. Thank Go. you. I will allow I put a certain amount of. I put a certain amount of this onus on Brian Kelly. But you cannot change what is in a man's heart, what is in a man's stomach, and the type of metal he has. I think a lot of those players on Notre Dame were exposed. And now, is it the coach's job to build up these players, build up the courage, build up the confidence in themselves? Absolutely. But Brandon Wimbush came out and wilted. Awful. He was awful. Completely wilted on the main stage. And that's his fault and his fault only. Turning the ball over that like that, being affected by the atmosphere and then being affected by your mistakes and compounding those effects, that's on him. The offensive line came out and looked soft. They got dominated at the point of attack. These are not things that Brian Kelly coached. You know, These are things that come down to execution, and only the players are in charge of the execution. Could the game plan have been better? Perhaps, but we did not even get to see Brian Kelly's game plan because they got blindsided so hard. That's why I only put a certain portion of this on Brian Kelly, and I put a large portion of this on the players' failure to rise to the moment. That is, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. That is, that is totally fair. And at the same time, it is, it's not all on the head coach, the coaching assistants, whatever, but it is the coach's job to get them ready for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. To be prepared it's, for to that To be moment. prepared for that moment, be, to be prepared for getting punched in the mouth in the first quarter and bouncing back from it. And it's just, it's, I hesitate to 100% squarely blame this group of players because it's happened with so many different groups of players throughout the years. These mm-hmm. weren't the guys that went to Arizona State with a chance, you know, with a, as a one-loss team with a chance to make a run at a, at a playoff bid and then went down 31-3. Yeah. But it, at the end of the day, there was no formula of coaching that would have led that group of men with the type of attitude they brought into that, that uh, game I, I'll totally to a win. That's that's you know, just that's the that's what anymore. I saw. That's what that's that's what jumped off the screen on Saturday to me is that it was a group of guys that wasn't ready for that moment. Before we vent anymore, I think you got to tip the cap to Mark Richt and those guys because they were a Absolutely. team that, other than Virginia Tech and even Virginia Tech, you can kind of debate to an extent, hadn't really been challenged given given mm-hmm. the opportunity to really show how good they are. I know they were undefeated heading into it, but if you look at their schedule other than Virginia Tech, it was pretty much a joke and. They took the last two weeks as an opportunity to. They said, you know, we need to make statements at these two games if we want a chance at the playoff. We know our schedule is not great, so we need to take advantage of the opportunities in front of us. And and damn it, they did. They yeah. the score wasn't as bad against Virginia Tech, but they dominated every facet of that game. 
And then they smelled blood in the water against Notre Dame, and they absolutely went for the knockout early, and they hit. When uh, when you're talking about teams that are taking advantage of those opportunities, it's often, and, and I'll go back to it, the moment, you know, recognition of the moment, and then the ability to act in the moment. That's where the swagger of Miami can come into play. Mm -hmm. That's where a seven-point lead can turn into a 21-point lead, can turn into a 35-point lead in no time. And the type of swagger that Miami has, coupled with the talent that they showed on Saturday, looks like a team that can compete with anyone in the nation. Oh, 100%. And, and, And I know the last few weeks people have been saying, you know, the U is back, the U is back, this and that. But like you said... After you get that opportunity against a top five team and you come out and show out the way that you did, I think the entire nation, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, I know some teams lost, but everyone is on notice at this point. I agree. I think they're a very talented team. I don't think they're the most talented team in the country. But if you couple that swagger, that attitude that Mark Richt has kind of reinstilled they're in there, any given they, day can, they can beat anybody on any given day. And quite they're, honestly, yeah. they can blow out anybody on any given yeah. day because they're, they're, they're a team that if one thing starts going right, it's going to snowball for them in the right direction. Now, I think it might be also the opposite. If one thing goes wrong, it might snowball That's in true. the opposite direction. That's true. But we haven't really had the opportunity Seen to see that. that. Yeah. That's also why I think Wimbush overthrowing St. Brown on that first possession on second down for the touchdown on that, on that first drive. So massive. That was it, 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 Who knows what happens if you come out and you hit that big home run? Because Miami still kind of had the momentum there. They shut down the run on first down. I think Notre Dame ended up picking up a first down later, but the ball was still kind of in Notre Dame's court, and, and Wimbush had him wide open for the touchdown, overthrew him, and that was more or less kind of the game. Now, Matt, if we're going to be critical of coaches, um, I think that John Fox deserves our undivided attention for a few minutes here. Not to bounce back and forth, but that's kind of going to be the the format of today's uh, ranting and raving. Um, I think we're talking about a guy who just sealed his fate on Sunday because there were coaching errors and there was a complete lack of synergy, play calling, anything that you need to win a football game, the Bears brought none of it. Dow Loggins came out a week ago and said that Tariq Cohen is his biggest weapon on offense. I think Tariq Cohen is on 13 the field of, 13, 13 of 60, of 60 plays. And so, then, then John Fox said in the press, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but this, I, I don't want to forget this. No, go ahead. The, John, Fox said in the, in coaching. John Fox says in the press conference that, well, you know, when he's on the field, he's drawing a lot of double teams, so he kind of becomes, you know, like we can't really get him the ball that way. If he's drawing double teams, Use then the he's freeing team. it open. So put him yeah. on the field, put him in the slot, draw the, draw the double team on the right, yeah. and open things up on the left for your rookie quarterback. Everything that, uh, that John put Fox him in motion, said, get people everything moving. that John Fox said after this game kind of appeared as a man grasping at straws, a man who kind of saw the writing on the wall and understands his fate. Um, we have to talk about the uh, challenge, challenging yourself out of a potential six points, a guaranteed three points, and uh, giving Green Bay the ball on a touchback. The um, look, the look on his face because they had the side by side comparison of McCarthy and uh, when he McCarthy, realized Fox, that that was and yeah. the ref in the middle, and not everyone's talking about you know re- looking at Fox and realizing, and he had no idea that that was even a possibility. You know, like he was so confused when they call. But I actually thought the more intriguing part was looking on the other side when they showed Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy was fist pumping, and he had a look on his face like, yep, I knew that was going to happen. I thought like that was going to be the case. So yeah. That just shows you the difference between two sidelines, between 
I guess where each organization is at this point, I think Mike McCarthy gets a lot of flack for how the team does without Aaron Rodgers, but he's a very smart football coach and knows what he's doing, and he's aware of everything at all times, and whether or not he was aware of it at that instant, somebody mm-hmm. up in his video room told him, hey, I think this is going to happen, whereas in John Fox's video room, clearly nobody thought that was a possibility. And, you know, as fans and even like even fans like you and I that are really locked into this team or into football and know the rules of the game, it's kind of a niche rule that's come to light a last, number of what, times. three weeks or something, this, twice this, in the last, the last three, four three weeks. weeks yeah. And the last few years with guys fumbling out of the back of the end zone. I know it happened to Nebraska last year. We saw it at Northwestern. So it's a rule that's kind of as guys die for those pylons more and more come to the forefront. It's not our job as fans to know that, but as coaches, it's your job to know every single instance, every single possibility and what the possible outcomes are. My initial thought was after this got overturned and he looked like a damn fool sitting there with his clipboard in his hands with nothing to say. My initial thought was Bill Belichick knows that rule, you know, great coaches, Guys who prepare their teams know every single outcome of every single instance because for the last five days, and in the Bears' case, with a bye, for the last 11 days, they've played every single one of those instances through their heads. That's what you do as a coach. John Fox's preparation, I don't think, is where it needs to be. No, it it showed in that game because Green Bay had a short week to prepare for the Bears, and by the way they played the Bears defensively and stuff, you know, stuffed the run, did things to him on offense that they didn't expect, especially with Trevathan out. I mean, it, it wasn't like a revelation or like a brand new scheme or anything. The Packers just did what the Packers do. They should. The Bears looked like they were caught off guard by exactly what they should have been prepared for. I guess if that and, makes sense, they were going to try and run the ball even though they had Brett, you know their third string running back. They were going to try and get Brett Hundley on the move a little bit, roll out a little bit here and there, get some quick throws off, and just everything they did worked. And, and why I know did Danny Trevathan was out, make... and that hurts. You know, that, that hurts that run. Yeah, defense. but the defense did make not come to play either. Yeah, they, the defense, they... the defense did not play the way they've played the last three weeks. Kind of with that that nose for the ball, a little bit of intensity, knowing that they're going to have to be the driving force of this football team, that the offense is going to complement them off of turnovers and things of that sort. It didn't look like they looked the defense like a team. came to play with the tenacity that they have in the last few weeks. They and why, like do we make, why do we make anyone that puts on the Green Bay helmet look like frickin' Aaron Rodgers? That's a why good do we question. Make, why anytime there's an injury or there's a backup running back or tight end, or in this case quarterback, we make them look like frickin' pro bowlers? Or running Brett back. Hundley, Brett Hundley, to, to, their, to his credit, made a couple phenomenal throws down the stretch. Yep. But if you're pressuring him, if you're getting to this pseudo-rookie, I know he's a third-year guy, but he's got 70, 80 snaps to his name, then that affects him. They didn't affect Brett Hundley. They didn't move him off his spot. Yeah, they got they got absolutely no pressure on him. Uh, they he may, I, I, Like you did, but you got to give him some credit here. That uh, the third and long throw to Devontae Adams is, is not good as Kyle Fuller played that game. He actually had some pretty good coverage there, you know, yeah, tying up the one arm and Adam, Adams just Kyle made Fuller's one guy, one-handed catch. Kyle, Kyle Fuller, and I've been critical of Kyle, Kyle Fuller in the previous years, and he's played great this year. He's one guy that did jump off the screen still 
yeah, last week. He was coming up making tackles. He did miss a couple tackles, but he's getting a um, lot. He's getting a lot coverage. of flack for getting beat a couple times by Devontae Adams. All that. What it, it, he had a bad game. I'm not ready to write off the progress that he's made this year, like some people. Yeah, do. and there were some bright spots. There were a couple plays that he made were, that were really nice plays. Hey, for as for as bad as you want to say the defense played though against you know a really banged up offense. They still had this team with a with a with a chance to win the game, yeah. and I, the offense just it was Chris Spielman even called it out. He called out the play calling at some point during the game. He's like, I, I don't I don't really know what they're trying to accomplish here. It's the same thing every time. It's run run pass run run pass. Yeah, throwing a bootleg on first down, run pass run run. Pass. It's it's the same thing over and over again, and it's it's something that a high school defensive coordinator would probably be able to prepare for. And I, I know that there aren't weapons. I know that it's tough to challenge downfield and all that stuff without weapons, but you have your self-proclaimed best weapon on the sideline for 47 of the 60 plays. Adam Shaheen comes off with two receptions in his first two targets for 35 yards. He doesn't get a ball the rest of the way. Don yeah. Trellonman has a, has a very good game. What And he was actually a, a plus side. He missed the block, I think, on the Shaheen long run. He had a, a drop on a high ball, but that wasn't a, an egregious drop by any means. But yeah, Trey Inman is my spin zone. He was the only positive. Trey, Trey McBride has a career game. I think picks up over 100 yards receiving against the Saints. I don't remember seeing him on the field against the Packers. And we, I, I know Josh Bellamy had a nice, you know, double move on a long touchdown. He's still terrible. Yeah, that and, was- and, and Josh Bellamy, I think, led the Bears in targets. That was one on one, eight men in the box. All you need to do is beat that guy at the line. I'm not. If you make one good touchdown. double move, you're gone. Like, no. I, this isn't a shot at you, Joe. You in your prime probably would have scored a touchdown on that. Run. Me, me from my couch, I would have scored. You, in that, you, you with had that very, you had very quick feet on the double move. If I could get off the to, jam, yeah. I don't know if I could get off a professional jam at this point. But I, I still remember you getting taught to get off press coverage. I think it was your senior year at Fenwick when we were playing St. Lawrence. They were pressing you pretty bad. My dad came downstairs from the stands. And Coach actually DeCanio, showed, no, no, no. showed you how DeCanio, to do it. Coach DeCanio wouldn't throw the ball. We ran the ball like 65 times. I think Greg Killingsworth won Offensive I, Player of the Week. That I thought week you for, scored a touchdown that game on a press I cover. did. I did because at halftime I was about to blow a gasket. And um, your dad went up to DeCanio. I was like, he's getting one-on-one coverage. Let, let's get him loose on the outside. So your dad comes up to me, I remember, and he's like, Give him the inside move, shake him outside. I, I remember it clearly. It was it was the next year he was on the staff. But that was but that was the exact coverage that the Bears were getting. Yeah. This leads me to my next point. Mitch Trubisky needs to be let off the leash in terms of audibling at the line. Now I know he's a rookie, but this is not his first time ever playing football. No. If you're getting eight in the box, one-on-one coverage outside, my quarterback needs to have the option to give a hand signal, a voice signal, whatever it is. Get in communication with that wide receiver and just tell him to go. Because you you have one-on-one from the line, take a shot. Half the time you're going to complete the pass. 40% of the time you're going to get pass interference. There's only a 10% rate there where something bad's going to happen. Yeah, with the, with the rate, shot. at the rate officials call pass interference here, if you see press coverage one-on-one on the outside, you should be throwing up a deep ball every it's, single time. It's because essentially disrespectful. Seven out of ten times you will either catch the ball or, like you said, be interfered with. That's that's a defensive coordinator knowing that a quarterback does not have the green light to audible, and that just makes life easier on a D coordinator. Trubisky did. I mean, he. I thought he took some some positive steps again uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't know that he was as good as his numbers showed. 
Uh, I think he showed some times in the pocket where he was a little bit uneasy, wanted to get you know moving a little bit, get mm-hmm. out of there under under um, the four man rush. But when they brought blitzes, I think I saw a, a, a pro football focus or one of those websites he was actually very good in his completion percentage under pressure uh he was, he was good at identifying the blitz getting the ball early out but i, I think once he develops that pocket presence and, and doesn't worry too much about the pocket collapsing just going through his reads he's he's showing signs of being why they traded up the draft yeah but i think that's all that it's going to be is signs for now until you oh yeah him. absolutely I mean, he, this, this is rookie this year his best my, weapons don trell inman i mean it's not this was kind of quick. my right this was my write-off moment for the for the coaching staff you need to get this kid under a coaching staff that's going to allow him to grow because I think there's going to be a plateau this year, and I think it's going to happen pretty damn soon if he continues to be coached by guys who can't even prepare for a game, let alone get a rookie quarterback ready to play football. So, I mean, let's 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 go spin zone. Let's get what's a, what's one positive thing that happened to you this weekend, Matt? Uh, Give me a positive. Any good meals? Good meals. Uh, well, uh, sat- Saturday, I think I had, uh, we, yeah, we had Buffalo Wild Wings for dinner. That was good. That's exciting. That's yeah. Exciting that's stuff. pretty good. Um, I, I know I sent you a text message and, uh, I don't know if it was last part of the pod before, but we have become a bit of a serial podcast. Oh yeah. We talked, and, we were um, texting about that Saturday night. Yeah. I was, uh, I was so broken during the fourth quarter of that Notre Dame game. I turned it off oh. admittedly. And I was like, what's going to make me happy? What's going to make me happy? I walked to the corner store down the street, got a couple boxes of cereal. Still open in Lincoln that late? Poured myself. Yeah, I got this little bodega on the corner um, that stays open until midnight. Um, oh, that's late. And, you know, walked in and got a couple of the mini boxes, three three mini boxes. We did a mixture. and Mashed them all know, up. Ate, ate my feelings. And you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie, Matt. It, it helped. It, yeah, I, I can imagine. So if I would have had access to some ice cream, I think mm-hmm. it I think I kind of just would have went to town Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't have access to that. Um, had access to some other things and just kind of went went that direction. But I think halftime was when I turned it off. Halftime, I kind of just went upstairs, went away from a TV, and I think mm-hmm. I was texting you. I was I was just watching old clips of sports teams who hadn't let me down. <laughs> um, I, I, I watched like a montage from the 2005 World Series. Uh, watched Goodness. a couple Stanley Cup montages. Those were nice. Yeah, just bring the spirits back. Yeah, I, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. Those were teams that didn't, you know, let me down in a in a big moment. So that was yep. nice. But when we when we build ourselves up, Matt, we're just we're just setting ourselves up for letdown, especially when we're talking about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And let's get back to some NCAA talk here. A lot happening um, atop the rankings. Georgia goes down, Notre Dame goes down, Alabama gets tested. Um, the new college football uh, playoffs rankings should be coming out here in a few hours. Uh, if you're listening to this on a Tuesday or anytime after that, they will already be out. And conceivably, it's uh, Alabama 1, Miami 2 is yeah. the way it looks right Oklahoma, now. Oklahoma, Clemson are probably 3 and 4. Yes, but probably, get, Clemson, probably other way around. I would think Clemson probably three Oklahoma four. But and I know we we rode off crazy. the Big Ten after kind of the messiness that has occurred these last few weeks. But I think Wisconsin has a fighter's chance again. After, oh, they do after this past weekend. Notre Dame and Georgia going down is absolutely. I still think had both of those teams run the table and Wisconsin run the table, an mm-hmm. undefeated Big Ten champ would have been in somewhere. I'm not sure that matters. It's relevant now. I think somehow they would have gotten in. But, I mean, for Wisconsin, it, it comes down to this week against a Michigan team that's playing a little bit better, that has a 
it's it's the type of team that could compete with Wisconsin because they're they can go at them up front as well and they, they play mm-hmm. that similar offensive style too that Big Ten tough up front we're going to run the ball on you type style and they're a team who can beat Wisconsin but I mean that, that showdown with Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game I mean that's it's going to be awesome it's, it's going to it's, it's going to be what it's going to be what it comes down to it's going to be awesome and they're probably going to get a t- get tanned like they always do and, and let down all the Badger faithful but Matt one thing that you know. We're going to have to start having conversations about and meaningful conversations because it's at that point in the season. I kind of want to just get your 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 knee jerk reaction here. Who is your Heisman favorite at this point in the season? Baker Mayfield. Yeah, um, I think. I, I think Baker I Baker Mayfield's a smart answer there. I mean, he's statistically doing things that we've seldom seen in the history of football, um, and he, he's just so much fun to watch and have him center stage is going to be important for the game moving forward. And I think it's important that uh, Oklahoma gets in that playoff, you know, to put him even further uh, on the national stage. The only thing I'd, I'd warn of, and I know he's not at the top of even the Big Ten numbers-wise, but he has been captivating. Uh, Saquon Barkley gets the Nebraska defense this weekend. Uh, records will fall. Uh, I'm going I'm to put that out there right now. Records will fall this weekend. I, I wouldn't be surprised, Joe, and I, we can get to Nebraska in a little bit because I, you, you front and center saw an awful, awful effort there this weekend. But There's not much as, to as, say. As good as Saquon <laughs> Barkley has been, the fact that they lost those two games and he wasn't spectacular really in either That's true. of them, um, I, I think has diminished off, yeah. his pro- – I, I, he's going to be there. He's going to be yeah. a finalist. But if Oklahoma keeps – if Oklahoma gets to the playoff, um, and Baker Mayfield keeps doing what he's doing with that team on his back, I, I think he's going to win in a landslide. I think the Heisman kind of came down to, actually what I think we talked about at the beginning of the year, was going to mm-hmm. come down to that Bedlam game and kind of whoever outshined the other quarterback and Mason Rudolph or uh, Baker Mayfield was probably going to emerge the front runner. And if yeah. it happened to be Baker Mayfield, now I think he is. it's his to lose at this point. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you there. Um, still plenty of football to be played, plenty of mistakes to be made, plenty of moments to be captured. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's Penn State, Nebraska this weekend, and the Nebraska faithful have completely lost. Um, well, I was getting – that game was literally over – well, I guess second, it's a, seconds it's a football, after it started. It's a football team that's quit, and they'll come to the podium and say all the right things like they did yesterday at the press conference. But um, – it's definitely a group of guys that has lost their way. They are a uh, a ship lost in a storm, and they don't really have a captain right now. Mm-hmm. Not to not to knock Mike Riley um, more than he's already been knocked, but um, he's out of here, and I think everyone knows that. So I think um, you know a lot of the younger guys are getting their ducks in an order to do to transfer. Um, the older guys are trying to figure out how they want to finish their careers. There's just um, there's not a congruent message right now because of all the uncertainty surrounding your head coach. And they love the guy. Um, as media members, I think I could speak for all of us that he's a joy to work with, but he's just not hes not the answer here, and that's clear. And I think that's really affecting the fire and the passion that these guys come out with because they got punched in the mouth at Minnesota and had no response. They had no answer for it. They're probably going to be without Tanner Lee this week as well. He's in the pro- concussion protocol. So you're going to see Patrick O'Brien most likely. Um, but the defense can't – they're a sieve right now, and they're going up against one of the best backs in the country. 
it, it's going to be fun to watch Saquon, Saquon Barkley this weekend. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> At least you got that to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, but, I yeah. mean, it's tough. Once you once you lose a couple tough games in a row, especially that, that overtime one, I think it was the Northwestern, it just kind of it, it's tough to bounce back from those games, especially mm-hmm. when you kind of know you got a little bit of a lame duck coach and, you know, coach at, at that point. And it, it, it's tough to bounce back from from stuff like that for anybody, let alone, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids. Well, I, I will pass along your well wishes, Matt. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Co- coach Riley and I go way back. Very nice. Well, uh, neither of us had much success um, in terms of our locks of the week last week. I missed mine by a half point. Uh, you took an L as well, but uh, let's jump. Uh, let's jump into this week's lock of the week because I know you mentioned before the podcast on the phone that uh, you're supposed to go to Vegas, and that Vegas mentality kind of rubbed off on your weekend. <laughs> and now you're going to be eating ramen noodles for the next month, is what I'm told. Oh, well, not to that extent, Joe. Let's be let's okay. be fair here, okay? Okay, <laughs> but no, I'll uh, I'll start us off. We talked about it a little bit. You said you liked this one. Um, I'm going to go with uh, with Arizona in a pick'em on the road at Oregon. Uh, Khalil Tate's a really really good quarterback. Um, Oregon has been while they've been good at home, they've been inconsistent all year, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Arizona's still playing for something. I, I don't think they're still in the Pac-12 race, but they can still finish kind of towards the top of that division. And I think I'm going to go with the uh, with the Wildcats in a pick them at Oregon. A little bit of Pac-12 football um, coming out of Matt's pick. Uh, my pick, I've I've been uh, been vacillating between a couple, but uh, I'm jumping on the Iowa bandwagon this weekend. Iowa laying only eight at home to Purdue. Um, you know, I had my eyes on that Purdue team up close and personal, and that was a few weeks ago. And teams change, but uh, they're not very good. And um, Iowa, I know, kind of false stepped last week, but uh, they showed their top end against Ohio State, and I think their top end is uh, pretty good. A lot, a lot more than eight points better than Purdue. So I'm banking on Iowa coming out to play at home. Uh, It's a three thirty start at Kinnick. You know, they're always tough there against Purdue. I was, you know, I was almost with you in that same state. There, I was thinking about Iowa State. Yeah, you were saying Iowa State, Baylor. Uh, but I just <laughs> the last few weeks the points have been the issue for me. So maybe I can pick the team to win and not have to worry about the points. Maybe that'll help. I see. Well, Matt, I'm I'm <laughs> sick and tired of uh, I'm sick and tired of lamenting right now. So let's jump into some segments. Uh, let's try and have a laugh or two here and uh, send the people off on a lighter note. Well, I'll try. All right, let's do a little buy or sell here. You want to lead us off? Uh, yeah, let's go with uh, GM meetings in baseball starting up this weekend. Or, I think they, or maybe last weekend, whenever they just started. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Hans talking, yeah, people obviously asking what he's doing, who's available, all that stuff. He said they're listening on Abreu and Garcia, but then kind of went on to both compliment them, say how much he likes having them around, how good they are for the clubhouse, all that stuff. So buy or sell, one or both are not with the White Sox at the end of next season. At the end of, na- I end of talking, next okay. season. I end think of next if, season, I, I don't, just because – Things happen. Yeah, things um, happen at the deadline, all that stuff. Sometimes you don't get the package you want right now. So at the, I'll, I'll give them through the end of next season, not into winter okay. meeting. So by the trade deadline, July 31st, 2018. Um, I'm going to buy just because, you know, they're, they're in a pivotal part of this rebuild and they're kind of putting the pieces in place to see who is going to be the future of the team. And if you can parlay one of those guys – 
into a top-end arm or even another big bat. Now, if you were to say going into the season, like something happens here at the meetings, I would sell that hard. But prior to deadline, moving a big piece, this would be the final year, I think, before you're all in next two seasons. From before now. you turn into buyers. To be a buyer at the, at the market. So this could be their last big sell. I really hope it's not because I root for both of those guys. I like both of them on the White Sox. But um, I think that this is a smart move by Han to just drum up interest, to start conversations, mm. because when you're not a playoff team, you're, you're a seller still. So um, I'm going to, I guess I've said buy and sell a million different times, <laughs> but to clarify, I'm buying that one of them is gone by the trade deadline next year. I think I'm going to buy that too, but I think it's going to be Avi. Um, I think they still. I hope so. I think they I, still. I think Avi, what he did last year was as good as he's going to be. So I, I hope yeah. they sell as high on them as they can because his extent, whatever. I think he's up after next year. So even if he doesn't have a great year, he's going to cite mm-hmm. this year and want to get paid more, and they shouldn't do that. Um, but Han had some very high praise of Abreu for his on the field, but also clubhouse presence and all that stuff. So I think if they're going to move him, it's going to have to be something like. You can't say no to that, like like yeah. a sale type return yeah. to get rid of Jose Abreu, which I just I don't think it's I don't think anybody's going to offer what they're going to be asking. I uh, I tend to agree with you there, Matt. Uh, let me hit you with one here: buy or sell. We see a Trump big baller brand collaboration down the line, like some Donald Trump type apparel. Um, the Trumps <laughs> and the Trumps and the balls recently. Uh, Linked through news headlines. Uh, what's we're what's talking the, about this? What's the middle one's name? Lamangelo. Something with uh, an L. Yeah, Liangelo uh, was arrested in China, I believe, uh, for or something like for that. shoplifting from a Louis Vuitton store. First off, with, I'm just gonna say at some point, sure, I'll buy it because you're gonna probably, see there's gonna be a big baller brand T-shirt with a Trump hat on it. Trump probably helped it's just help them get out. Apparently, they're on a plane home now and all that stuff, and he intervened, <laughs> so he probably is owed something because the man probably didn't do that for free. Um, but, you know, we're 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 talking about what's on the docket here for this meeting with the prime minister and, you know, nuclear, uh, nuclear arms races that definitely comes up. Um, world economies definitely comes up and And definitely, and definitely, yeah. Ball in the family. It's probably the third thing on that docket. I'm like uh, to get, I don't want, I I don't want to honor this topic or whatever that is (laughs) as much as, as, as some people have. But the one thing that kind of struck me is, Unless this is another massive publicity stunt, which I won't put anything by anybody. Um, if you're first off, never ever steal anything from anybody. That's terrible. It's 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 against the law. It's against the Ten Commandments. All that stuff. <laughs> but if you're going to steal from Scripture. anything from anywhere, and you're an American, why would you do it in communist China? Yeah, not a good call. No, not a good call. Don't do it in China. It doesn't make me a Be bad smarter. person that I was looking forward to him getting put in jail. No, I, I kind of wanted. I, I, I kind of thought it would be fun. And you, oh, if you're God. stupid enough to try and steal sunglasses from somewhere in China when your father has his own clothing line brand, yeah, aren't you? Aren't you a big baller, Lamangelo? You ain't a big ball, big baller shoplift. Can, can we move on? Uh, this is this is just. It's making the stupidity of people, and this story is making me angry. Joe. <laughs> All right, that hit me, Matt. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to the squared circle, the octagon, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, Oscar De La Hoya called out Connor McDavid in the uh, the media today. I got the Connor McDavid. I'm sorry, Connor McGregor or Connor. I would love to see that matchup. Oh, you think they're think they're brawling or skating? Uh, brawling on on skates. Okay, that that wow, that could get fun. So it's like it's like just normal dropping the. It's a straight up hockey. hockey De La Hoya said this about McGregor. You know, I'm competitive. I still have it in me. I've been secretly training, secretly training. I'm faster than ever and stronger than ever. I know I can take out Conor McGregor in two rounds. I'll come back for that fight. Two rounds, just one more fight. I'm calling him out. Two rounds is all I need. Joe, so this so now is he calling him out in a boxing match or I think uh, it's a boxing MMA match fight. because McGregor has made that yeah transition transition somewhat. the, the yeah. fight whatever. I I think. That's what he was inferring, but you buy it or sell it. We see this. I'm selling it. I think this is. Um, but think about a, the payday. I think that this is a crazy man uh, in Oscar De La Hoya, who has had his face punched for a living for the better part of forty years, who is now feeling the ill effects of having his face face punched for forty straight years. I think he saw saw the money grab that it was for Floyd and Oscar going back 20 years now has always tried to keep pace with Floyd, whether it be monetarily, whether it be in the boxing game, Floyd's always been the measuring stick. It was Oscar for a while. Floyd surpassed him and never looked back. And Oscar, whether it was trying to get in the ring with him or whatever it was with golden boy promotions, always tried keeping pace with, uh, with Floyd and Floyd somehow has kept the, the glow around him. He's kept that attention that made this fight interesting with, with McGregor. De La Hoya has not done so. And I think Oscar De La Hoya is a guy who's starting to see the bills pile up. And I don't know what sort of, uh, I don't know what sort of cut or revenue he's getting from golden boy promotions, but for him to come out and say something like this, it leads me to believe it's not that good of a cut and he's looking for a money grab. I don't think it happens. I'm selling. I don't know. This this is probably exactly what you would have answered three, four years ago, whatever it was, when the whispers of a McGregor Mayweather fight. Not at all. Not at all. Because because money Mayweather was still in the headlines, whether it be for the wrong reasons. Oscar or the right De La Hoya's reasons. name still surfaces and buys. Still, it still carries weight. It still holds something. Oscar it, De La Just for the fun of name. it, just to disagree with you, I am going to buy this because I think it's so far out there. Just like it wasn't as far out there as Floyd versus Connor, but crazier things seem to happen all the time now. I'm going to say somehow Connor's already training for his return right, to, you know, uh, that's to the right. MMA. Then, then somebody might say, "Hey, you're getting paid eight million dollars for that fight. That's cute. Here's fifty. Connor's not Connor's not stepping in the octagon for less than ten anymore. Okay, sorry. Here's there's ten million. Oh, that's cute. Here's fifty. I, you got It boils down to the pay per view grab too. I don't, I don't think people. I don't think that many people oh, would, you would buy it. Want to watch a fifty-five-year-old cross dresser? He's forty-four. He's not that much. Old. He's three years older than Floyd. He doesn't look good. He's forty-four. Um, he looks great. And <laughs> to go back to your point that his name carries weight, Oscar De La Hoya's name isn't a tenth. It's of not what I don't disagree with you there. Floyd Mayweather's brand power. Is. I don't disagree with you, but it's still a name that carries significant weight in the boxing community. Why doesn't he just get out of my face? Why don't you tell him that, Joe? Why don't you call him? I will. I will. I want, I you're want in the, De La Hoya. You're in the media. You can get rounds, his number. I want two rounds with De La Hoya. I no. get a knife, though. No. He, gets, he gets the box. I get one boxing glove and a knife. You'd be, so he's, you'd be done no. in 30 seconds. No, I just got to get in close. You'd be, done. you'd be done in 30 seconds. I, see, you think, you think that that knife's going to be used for offense. That's a defensive knife. 
You know, a lot of a lot of side to side slashing. Keep him at bay. Joe, we're talking about knife fights. Get move on to the next question. <laughs> All right, Matt. Buy or sell uh, LeBron's New York Minute. Uh, the last few days, Instagram, Twitter, the news has been filled with exploits of LeBron James taking the subway like a normal person, uh, claiming to be the king of New York, getting in fights with 19-year-olds on the court. Whatever it may be, it was a tumultuous and interesting two days in New York for the king. Um, buy or sell LeBron's New York Minute. You know, I might buy this if like he hadn't. He doesn't do this all the time now. It seems That's like true. every time he goes to a big city, he does some publicity stunt that makes things about him, gets his name in the news, posts something on social media, all that stuff. It, it's just it's it's getting to be a tired act. I guess, and that's it. That is what it is with me. I think it is just an act, so he can keep getting his name out there, keep getting people rumor about where he's going to go next year or whatever he does opt out. So I'm going to sell it just because whatever we've seen this before, and I don't want to keep buying into it every time LeBron talks about liking a city or does something in a certain city. Yeah, I had fun with it. I thought it was. I know you did, Joe. Um, you're you're a big LeBron guy. Yeah, but I mean, the guys in what year fourteen. Um, he's played another th- three full seasons of playoff basketball. He's continuing to get better. He's somewhat indomitable when it comes to injury. He is still not getting the deserved respect. And I know he did things in the I past that, that allowed us couldn't. to take the respect from him. But he is the king. He is the face of the NBA. And you got a bunch of kids and a garbage New York team that wants the, you know, take him to task well he just took his team back from a 23 point deficit to win at one of the greatest coliseums of sport that there's ever been so let's look at it from that let's look at it through that lens other than guy we hate does thing on instagram but it's not i I don't i'm not disrespecting him we're not giving him the respect he deserves he is the best player in the nba today and i don't think it's very close i think he is probably the most talented player to ever play in the nba i'm not going to say best but i think he's the most talented um I, I, it's not the way what he does on the court what he does on the court is incredibly impressive it's just the off the court stuff that uh, it's how i was as a not that i ever played any flashy positions or anything or was ever remotely as good as him at all but like when I, I I was when I was playing sports, I played between the lines and I kept my mouth shut. You were the opposite, and I think that's why yeah, we fall on different sides. You're, of this argument. you're just a consummate professional. Though, I, that's you're a consummate professional. You, that's you, you um, didn't need to say that. That was I was looking for that. Part, I was looking for the compliment. And you, you're fishing for it. Um, my favorite part of the whole thing was the guy sitting next to LeBron who he tried flipping the camera. Just on. the that total was just like prototypical, prototypical New, Yorker. New Yorker. Get that, like, out, get of out of my face. Like yeah. Who are you? Get out of my face. I'm on my way home from work. That was the best part of it all. That, w- that was fantastic. Oh, goodness. You got one more? Do I? I think. I, no, I asked you two already. You asked me two already? Yeah. I can call, right, if you give me a couple minutes, I can probably come up with No, nah, we're good. We're good. You I'm sure? buying them. Yeah, let's go to mailbag. Okay. We got a good one this week from, uh, from Parker Carroll. Let me pull up the exact wording here. Joe, after... Uh, after retirement from college or high school sports, whichever one you, uh, you we, we both partook in college, but once you get into the real world here, what is the go-to, the favorite, the best intramural sport to get involved in? Best men's league, intramural, whatever you want to call it. What are you? Well, I, I know it's tough with our schedules and all that because we work this a lot of nights from, and stuff. Uh, from this Parker. one from Parker Carroll, Parker. correct? No, well, thank no, you. Shout out, shout out to Packy. We, we don't shout know who he Packy. is, but he must be a loyal listener. 
He is a loyal listener. Uh, we love you, Packy. Thanks for the question. And when I read this, the first thing that came to mind is, what can I do while also drinking booze? And 16-inch softball immediately comes to mind. Like some bench beers, play a little 16-inch softball, get way too competitive Like when the postseason comes around. That, that sounds like the perfect uh, you know, walk into the sunset. You're a, so I'm saying intramural softball. You're, you're, a, you're a little slap line drive hitter, aren't you? Go the other way with it, pick up, you know, steal an extra base here and there. Singles and doubles kind my, of guy. my softball game, very similar to my baseball game, beat it into the ground. I'm faster than you. That was that's kind of how I played it. Beat it into the left side. You're not going to catch me. You got a base runner. And then, in terms of in the field, like nothing. There are no gaps when I'm in center. There are no gaps, man. You played left in high school, Joe. I know, but I play center, <laughs> short center, and intramural sometimes. And, and just cover all gaps. Oh, I'd, li- I'd like to say that my 16-inch softball game remembers or resembles my high school baseball game as well. I, I <laughs> hit somewhere in the middle to bottom of the order. I either go deep or I don't get a hit. Love it. And I don't really beat anything out. I don't really take the extra base. If if I'm if I'm if I'm picking up a hit, we're probably getting a run. But if not, yeah, I'm, we're not scoring. Take taking off the elbow pad halfway to first base. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, just a nice little jog. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, that, I'm actually going to yeah, go what's with your, uh, what's your answer to the question? I've never actually done it, but because it's so hard to get involved with it and find a group. But what I've always wanted to get into is is men's league hockey, like a beer league hockey hockey league. Okay. I think that's a lot of fun. I've I, I, I've played a couple pickup hockey games here and there throughout the years, but nothing formal. But I've always had mm-hmm. a lot of fun with it. Something okay. that you can do very late at night, which would be conducive to my work schedule. Um, and I think it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. I'm not by any means that good at it, but I can skate well enough where I can probably keep up. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. Plus, like I'm, you said, you can have a couple beers on the bench if you want to. Quick shifts though. 15 oh, second yeah. shifts oh, for Matt. Right I'm, I, I, you sometimes though, you can take the longer ones. If you just don't really get back on defense, hang out by the blue line and then you, know, you catch a good glide, just yeah. catch a good glide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah, that's, that's important when it comes to the beer league. Well, uh, thank you, as always, uh, to the Moose and Runes listeners for sending us your questions. We appreciate it. Continue to do so. We like those fun topics. Shout out to Parker Carroll again on this one. Uh, a, a great, a great Titan and a great man. We appreciate you, Parker. We appreciate all of our listeners here at the Moose and Runes podcast. Uh, one last segment before we shut us down here, Matt. Do you have a, uh, a best thing you saw this week? Because I know I have. Oh, one. we talked about it. I think we, we got We're going to share one. it. We're going to uh, share it. Hats the Illinois the Wesleyan Titans are your 2017, that's what year it is, right? 2017 like CCIW co-champions, but champions in our hearts. Uh, they won the head-to-head against Wheaton. Coach Ash getting his 200th win this weekend. So congratulations to the Titans on a fantastic season that started off with an upset of one of the top teams in the nation. Um, it's been a storybook season, and hopefully it continues um, Matt, help me out here. They get they got Case uh, Western at Case home, Western. Uh, ten and okay. zero. Case Western. I looked at their schedule. They did not play any uh, any teams that struck out to me as it's know, a hollow great, ten and zero. Great world beaters, exactly. So we we'll, we'll see how they handle them at the at Tucci Stadium this weekend. Uh, I will be I'll be hooking the the laptop up to the TV and be watching from the couch. Um, but I think it should be a, it'll be fun to see them in the playoffs again. Uh, I think it, the last time they were in the playoffs was. My senior year, that um, we won't talk about that one, um, <laughs> but, but it's nice to see him back. It's nice to see him get that ring, 
And uh, whether or not this is Coach Ash's last year, who knows? He, he said hit some milestones, won a conference championship. You never know with him because he is getting up there. But uh, if, if it is, great. It's been a great career. Hopefully they, they go on a run. And if not, then uh, hopefully we see some more going forward. Awesome. I think uh, we, we each are... owe them an apology, actually, Joe. I think we predicted 8-2, and 7-3 and three to begin the year. I think we yeah. predicted losses to Whitewater, Wheaton, and North Central. So we were wrong. Because we were super locked in uh, on our preseason uh on our preseason studies, we, we, the didn't, quite do, we, did, we didn't do our, our significant research on the preseason Titans, and yeah. that's on us. We weren't prepared. Good we, on you. We will, we will make these corrections, and next year on that preseason prediction, we will have a much more accurate prediction. I guarantee we will each be within one game of the actual record. I cannot make that same guarantee. Joe, just go along with it. They won't remember right. it this time next year. All right. What Matt said. What Matt said. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Matter, and thank you to the listeners here. Episode 29 of the Moose and Runes podcast. Matt, you got anything else for the people before I shut it down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, folks, we're going to shut it down here on a uh, on a note that, that always fills my heart with pride and with joy. Um, the annual wish fest is coming up here on december 1st and if you don't know what wish fest is it is a benefit it is a fundraiser um in memory of our good friend and teammate andrew wisher uh his family his brother they they've been amazing in in putting this event together in years past this year going to be bigger and better than ever third eye blind is going to be the headlining act it's it's going to be an absolutely fantastic time again december 1st uh that's down on the south side you can get all of the information at wishforever.org w-e-i-s-h for the number and then ever e-v-e-r.org or just google wish fest it'll all come up um it's going to be a amazing night uh raising money for families that are you know fighting that fight and going through uh, just a, a, a time of struggle and to be able to help them out the way that the Andrew Wisher Foundation does and the way that all of these good people do to keep Andrew's uh, his, his memory alive. It, it honestly, um, it, it moves me every time I think about it. And I'm proud that um, the Wisher family can, can exact this sort of change and effect and help on these families that need it uh, so dearly. So Wish Fest 2017, going to can't miss December 1st. Get there, get your tickets now. It's going to be an amazing time. It's uh, just for some more info to go online, buy tickets. It's www.wishforever.org. That's wish, W-E-I-S-H, for the number forever.org. You can get ticket information. You can buy your tickets. You can learn more about the charity. You can learn more about the events, what it's done throughout the years, the sponsors, all that good stuff, who to contact, where it is, the uh, the best ways to get there, all that stuff. I'm, I'm scrolling through here. They have every bit of information you could possibly want. Uh, Joe and I have been there the past few years. Uh, it, it's, it's always a, a great, fun time with, uh, with great people and for an even better cause. So, uh, again, that's www.wishforever.org uh, for, for more info on Wishfest. A, uh, a major tip of the cap to our boy Danny Wisher. Uh, you know, he's been so influential in growing this thing, and to see it get to this point, third eye blind, 
uh, a national headliner. I mean, that was am- it, amazing, still amazing popular today. That was arguably the biggest band of the 90s. If you were a 90s kid, I think that growing up, that was one of, if not my favorite fans to listen to, still listen to them a bunch today. And they're still a huge name out there. So I think they'll, they'll create a really nice buzz around Chicago. Should be a great time. We hope to see all the Moose and Runes listeners there. We appreciate you, Moose and Runes listeners. That's episode 29 of the Moose and Runes podcast. Format Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.